everybody. Welcome back to a thrilling new episode of Brown Eyed Unicorn. I'm your host, Hannah Brown. Here we are again. I almost started singing there, but then I was like, I did that last week and I don't want to put my listeners through that. How's everyone doing? I hope we're all doing well before I get into this episode, which might be kind of long. So either I'm sorry or you're welcome. I guess it depends who's listening. Um, really quick, just want to remind y'all, if you don't follow me already, follow me at Hannah A. Brown on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Hannah A. Brown Zero on TikTok if you want to see some really lame videos. And also, if you are interested in more content, head on over to patreon.com slash Unicorn. Welcome to all you new patrons who are listening. And for just $5 a month, you get access to all the bonus episodes. Um, also leave a review if you're liking what you're listening to. And, you know, even if it's not fully positive, that's okay. Be honest. Like I will take the feedback and do my best to continue to improve. I hear the sound quality has gotten better. Someone left a review saying that, which is really exciting because I am my own producer now. As Jessica Simpson once said, I belong to me. So I started doing my own sound production, which was really intimidating. But I love that not only am I saving money, but my podcast is getting better. That's really cool. Um, also, I guessed it on a couple podcasts. So if you want more of me, head on over to a friend of the pod, close friend Jacqueline Marfuji's podcast, What's Your Jersey, which is a great podcast in general. Um, head on over and listen to that because I guessed it on that recently. Last week, it's all blending together, but I guessed it on that within the last couple of weeks. And then I also guessed it on another friend of the podcast, Joe Gunn's podcast, Bare Minimum with Joe Gunn. You might know him as the brilliant mind behind a lot of amazing pop culture memes on Instagram. And he has a new podcast called Bare Minimum with Joe Gunn. And I just guessed it on that too. That episode just dropped. So check that out as well. Okay. So before I get into the Bravo of it all, I want to say I feel like such a dickhole because I meant to mention Nono's passing last week. And I didn't. And the ep- the episode I did like two weeks ago, I briefly did like an impression of Nono. And then the, the morning that my episode came out, the news about Nono came out. And then I was like, oh, God, that timing is not ideal. I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of someone who's no longer with us. So RIP Nono. We love him. I'm sure he's just eating octopus at 6 a.m. in heaven. And that's all I could ever want for him. But I I really do feel for uh, the Judice and Gorga families right now because I think losing a relative under these circumstances is really wild and insane. And it's just sad that you can't do, you know, a traditional Italian funeral the way I'm sure they wanted to. So just sending good vibes to the Judices and the Gorgas out there. Also, I know it's going to be over by the time this came out, but I hope everyone had a great Passover. I made Choroset for the first time. I'm not keeping Passover. Um, I literally just made Choroset and bought matzah for fun. Uh, delicious, delicious. I really just, I like matzah. And I feel like kind of a dick just eating it for funsies while other people gave up leavened bread for like all of Passover. But that's part of why I'm rebranding this podcast. That's part of why I'm changing the name of it. Because frankly... I think it's false advertising at this point. And it was a really cute pun like three years ago. And I was like, I love it. And now I'm like, "Mm, it makes me sound way more Jewish than I am. And I don't want to be a liar. If there's one thing, I'm not a bullshitter. I didn't even have a Seder. And I love Passover. Like, I truly do. I think matzo ball soup is delicious. I think the, the, the blessings and the story of Passover is really cool. I tried to tell the story of Passover to Jake the other day. I think I did a pretty good job. It was like a live action, like kind of like improv, like a one woman improv of the story of Passover. Um, so that was fun, but I didn't have a Seder. I hope you all, all of you out there who had Seders, uh, had a great, you know, Passover celebration and happy belated Easter. You know, I also love a, a Cadbury cream egg. I fuck hard with one. I also love a Cadbury caramel egg. Didn't get those this year. But, you know, quarantine is all about reminding us that we can't always get what we want. You know, Ramona's Instagram continues to give us everything we need. I just want to say this week she made frijitas with a model filter over her goddamn face the entire time. Then she called it a chicken frittata. She's like, we're making the frijitas. And then she called it a chicken frittata. Then she called human cumin. She's like, I'm using some cumin, oregano, salt, pepper, paprika, and chili powder. Then she was teaching us colors with her various peppers. She's like, we got a red pepper. And then she holds up a green pepper. And she's like, oh, 
that's not red. That's a green. And here's the red pepper. She's literally like teaching us colors with various peppers. Her manicure looked fantastic. Her skin looked dewy and poreless, even if she was using a model filter. I think that's just how she looks anyway. Um, And she was like cooking her frijitas in a chic little cover up, living her like Floridian beach bliss. And I also want to give a shout out to two judgy girls, Courtney and Mary. Um, They did a really fun story this week where they took us down spring break memory lane with all the Bravo celebrities earlier this week. And there was a picture of Ramona and Avery in matching Burberry swimsuits. Ramona was in like a teensy tiny Burberry bikini looking snatched as fuck. And then Avery was in like the kids version in a one piece. And I just want to say that young Avery was very much channeling Dakota Fanning circa Uptown Girls as a child. If you've never seen Avery as a child, either you could go back to like season one of Roni or you could just Google like Avery Singer as a child. And I was like, holy shit. It's like young Dakota Fanning and young Avery could have done like an It Takes Two type movie identical strangers also my friend Liz tipped me off by the way to Steve Gutenberg's Instagram and because you know we all when I posted that story about a month ago about Roger Calloway and like how I always wanted to like I, I was confused by my attraction to him as a kid because like I wanted him to be my dad but I also thought he was very handsome and as an adult I'm comfortable saying like I just totally would fuck Roger Calloway so my friend Liz like everyone responded to that Instagram story and everyone was like oh my god same like I had such unclear feelings for Roger Calloway and my friend Liz was like oh my god you need to follow Steve Gutenberg's Instagram and I was like holy shit fuck what kind of pop culture aficionado if you will am I that I didn't even know that Steve Gutenberg was on Instagram but follow Steve Gutenberg he loves like an inspiration like speech to camera and then this week he this week he posted a story about or like a a post on his main feed about how he's like I love America I love my country I love 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 America and I'm so proud of my country I'm so proud of our country which made me think he's a Trump supporter and you know I've, I've been told in reviews that I've gotten a little too political on this podcast, but I'm very much not a Trump supporter. So if that's the case for Steve Gutenberg, you know, it's not what you want for, for me, but I will say, I think Roger Calloway really reads as a Democrat. Like I feel like Roger Calloway would have voted for like Obama. And I love, I love that. I love that journey for him. Also, I want to say I found more motivation this week than I had in a while. And it's felt really, really great, but I'm also ready for my inevitable decline. Um, in addition to making set this week, I learned how to soft boil eggs, which may have been the highlight of my entire week. Um, it really elevates my avocado toast journey. And I know that saying that makes me a true nightmare person, but it's my truth. Um, what else? Learned how to soft boil eggs. That was a big fucking deal. Those of you who are wondering how, boil the shit out of water. Drop your eggs in for like six minutes. Cover them. Second six minutes is up. Take them out. Drop them in some ice water. Leave them for like 20 minutes. My friend Maggie taught me how to do this. Shout out to Maggie. And truly you will get like these like ooey gooey, like soft boiled velvety centered eggs. I took a really, really healthy TikTok break that may last forever. I mean, last night I posted uh, my fake Real Housewives tagline, the Real Housewives of Quarantine on TikTok. But taking a TikTok break has been really good for me. And it has resulted in me doing my makeup much less, but that's okay by me. I was getting a little tired, like fully beating my face for a TikTok video that was going to get two likes. Um, I also tried to watch, I tried to watch this Netflix movie. I think it was called like Wedding Rinse Repeat because like Frida Pinto was in it and I live for Frida Pinto. But this movie was truly the worst movie I've ever seen. Like I, I had to turn it off after like 45 minutes. And here's my biggest problem with it. A of all, it was fucking boring. B of all, though, they were trying to sell me on the fact that Olivia Munn was playing like a Natalie Portman-esque girl next door. And I was like, that is just not possible. Like, you cannot convince me that Olivia Munn is like just this natural beauty, like wispy girl next door with a face that is literally made out of like LeMay skin and plastic. I was like, this is wild and this is offensive. Like, I would truly take Zoe Deutsch starring in yet another fucking movie over Olivia Munn. So that's just how I feel. So don't watch that movie. Netflix is going to try and sell it to you. Like, they're going to try and sell you on it on your main page and be like, oh, because you watched, you know, I don't know, Always Be My Maybe. Great movie. You should watch Wedding Rinse Repeat. No, you fucking shouldn't, Netflix. No, you fucking shouldn't. (sighs) Random thoughts in quarantine. I was thinking about this yesterday, probably because I 
when I'm bored, sometimes I'm just deliberately annoying. And I was thinking about being a kid and how as a kid, like the best troll you could do to someone was to repeat everything they said. Like I used to pull this shit with my sister all the time. She'd be like, stop copying me. And I'd be like, stop copying me. And she'd be like, Hannah, I'm serious. And I'd be like, Hannah, I'm serious. And she would like, we would do it to each other. It's truly the most annoying fucking thing you can do. Like there's no more annoying thing on the entire planet. So if you're trying to annoy someone in quarantine, do it, bring it back. Let's see. Also, my thoughts on quarantine, Zoom hangs. Hangs on the Zoom. I have a love-hate relationship with them. First of all, I'm not really familiar with how Zoom works because I haven't been like in Zoom meetings for the last month. So I get really nervous by like, am I muted? Am I unmuted? Can people see me? Can people hear me? The other morning, I thought my friend Anna was going to teach a yoga class on Zoom. So I joined a Zoom call and it was just me and her friend, her like chic friend who lives in London, like setting up our yoga mats. And then it turned out we both got the day wrong. So it was just me and this girl that I've never met kind of acting like the other one wasn't there on the Zoom call. It was awkward as fuck for me. I don't think the other girl gave a shit. She was like drinking her tea and just like zenning out on her yoga mat. And I was like, did I get the day wrong? Like I went into I kind of went into like an anxiety spiral immediately. But yeah, like Zoom calls, it's always fun in theory, but then it's like, A of all, why does every Zoom call have to last so long? And I'm I'm a culprit. Like I get like swept away and like talking to my friends on FaceTime and Zoom. And it's really nice to have all this time to catch up with people, but it also makes it kind of daunting to get on the call to begin with because you're like, do I really have like two hours of conversation in me right now? And like, if my friend wants to keep talking, am I a dick? If I'm like, hey, I'm done now. And also... It's kind of a troll when you think about it because like I actually like I just want to be with my friends like Zoom is great. It's a great invention. No shade to Zoom. But like it also is just kind of a tease to me because I'm like I want to be with you. I just want to be as Ramona said. I want to love you. I want a man to love me. Hold me. Be with me. Love me. Like yeah. And I also think I was on a Zoom call last night with like 10 people or more and it was very well executed. But by and large, I find if a Zoom call is more than like three or four people, no one can fucking hear each other. And it just becomes a clusterfuck of like, and and you, no, no, you go. No, you go. That's okay. Well, no, yeah. I was just saying like, it's like no one knows how to like navigate the conversation. Except for my call last night was delightful. It was with a bunch of friends from high school. And I know I talk shit about high school, but they were they were my friends. So like it was a good call. Okay, let's get into the Bravo of it all. First of all, Okay. So Real Housewives of Beverly Hills came back this week and it was, I had full body chills, but we'll get into that. Meanwhile, VPR, we are slogging through this season, y'all, and it sucks. I literally fell asleep halfway through the episode at 9.30 p.m. and I had only had two glasses of wine, so it wasn't even a wine-induced nap. It was out of sheer boredom. And Jake was bored as fuck, too. I think he turned it off and put on Hunter's. So I'm like, do I just stop commenting on Vanderpump Rules and just fully go in on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Let me know because I I don't I feel like a broken record. I feel like I'm repeating myself every week. And it's because the episodes aren't really giving us anything new week to week. And it's driving me crazy. But here's my Cliff's notes on what I think of this week's episode of Vanderpump Rules, which was a, a huge and utter waste of all of our time. Charlie brought the laws when she said, two things I learned in LA, everyone bangs each other and they don't care. And two, for a man out here, vagina does not have a face. I laughed out loud. I thought that was really funny. And then she made fun of Brett and was like, I just have a connection with everybody. Who's next? Lisa. I loved her thick Brett shade because we all know that I'm not a fan of Brett. Also, when Ken and Lisa were shopping, I really didn't feel anything. But I do want to say I hope to someday have the complete and utter confidence that Ken had when Lisa was bringing up Brett and he was just like, why would I be jealous? He's he's a young boy. He's 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 a ragamuffin. Whatever the fuck he said about him, he was just unbothered. That was also a really bad impression. I think quarantine is making my impressions worse. And for that, I apologize. Also, like I could give a rip about Lisa Vanderpump's Vegas business ventures with Nicolay and darling. I'm like, I don't fucking care. I don't care. And then Brittany was like, I want another wedding already. Can we get married again? Can we have Vegas, Vegas wedding in like three years? Why? It's fun. It's fun. And Jax is like, no, 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 absolutely not. Marriage is over. No, no. And marriage is over. That was a dark... I mean, I think he meant to just be like wedding celebrations are over, but marriage is over. I'm like, Jax, are you even mentally like in your marriage? And then Brittany went on to talk about 
Katie and Schwartz and how they're not officially married. She's like, well, you know, without this piece of paper, you can easily just break up, move out, part ways. And I'm like, no shit, Brittany. That's probably why they don't have one. So that that's an option. So that's on the table. And I would love nothing more than for Katie to ditch Schwartz's ass and have like just a confidence glow up and like live her bliss in the Valley Village. Kick Schwartz out. Kick him out. We, well, I was going to say we know she's making more money than he is. But I don't know that. I'm a thousand percent lying and just speculating. And then also later in the episode when Brittany was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. You're getting married. I was like, what the fuck is it with you and weddings? What is it? You know, I grew up watching a wedding story on TLC, too. Don't get me wrong. I've pinned a wedding dress or two. I want to wear Christian Siriano at my wedding. Probably not going to happen, but we can all dream. But why I've never seen someone so lit on weddings in my entire life. It's really insane. Also, there was a dark moment when Schwartz was unable to even say he loved Katie. He's like, you know what else I love? In his dumb voice. And Katie was like, me? And then he got all shy and was like, I can't even say it. And like made it into a joke. And I was like, why can't you say you love your wife? Why? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with any of you people? I'm sorry. I woke up and I was like on one today. Like I just woke up being a bitch. And you know, it varies day to day. And I was like, okay, well, this is a good place to be in for podcasting, I guess. But I also might be coming off as insanely negative. And if that's the case, I apologize. But this show is really starting to insult me. Also, the bra of it all with LVP's bra, like that she snuck into Schultz's bag was chilling because he got really nervous and really flustered. And then he kept calling Katie, dude, he's like, Bubba, dude, no, dude, no, dude. And I thought, oh, my God, yes, actual drama. Like Schwartz is going to get caught with some rando's bra in his suitcase because we all know Schwartz is a total dog and he's definitely cheated on Katie before, which he basically kind of said on camera this week. But no. We were blue balled. It was Lisa's bra. And I was like, okay, cool. Hijinks. Like the last thing I need is more hijinks. I don't fucking need to watch you guys zip lining across Vegas. I don't care. I, I, I need a fight. I need someone to pop off. I do love watching the employees that remain. What remains by Carol Radswell. I love watching the employees that remain at Sir, like waiting tables in a floppy air quote. Raquel's like, how are your drinks? A Tito soda? Sure. And then Danica's like, is that renewing okay over here on drinks? Okay. Amazing. As she's like already halfway across the restaurant, like walking away. And then we find out that Raquel is turned on by James's sobriety. And Charlie is like, oh, really? And Raquel's like, I don't want to say the sex was bad before, but it's nice. Basically, she's like, he can get his dick up now. And that's pretty cool. I really like if I could pick who from the cast I would want to go out with for a night, like Charlie and Raquel all the way and Dan, like I like the newbies I really do the OGs I'm like have fun ziplining across Vegas I don't care I'm bored I'm, I'm asleep at 9 30 because of you guys um I will say I live for Sheena's Vegas tethered Kara the server at Vanderpump Cocktail Garden I wasn't expecting it I mean it was shocking that Sheena had a doppelganger in Vegas and of course Max ended up banging her but we'll get to that later I made a note that said, I'm not speaking about this dumb fuck wedding. It's an insult to us all and wasting our time. So that's how I feel about that. I will say, of course, Jax is being competitive with their wedding. He's like, I think mine was just a little bit better. And I'm like, okay, but this is their second wedding. Their first wedding was like pretty fucking nice. It was like in the middle of like, you know, the woods. It was like a little fairy wedding in the woods. It was a pretty wedding. So Jax, also, it's like, why is everything a competition with you? I did make a note. I wish I loved anything in my life as much as Katie loves her crimper. Now, I know that crimping your hair is on trend, and I'm not trying to question Katie, head of the now defunct beauty blog Pucker and Pout on her styling choices, although I have before. But I just I got my hair crimped once and I liked it. I did. But like every day with the crimper, just always going in with the crimper. And I was like, it's a choice. You know, it's a mood. It's a vibe. It's Katie's mood. It's Katie's vibe. It's not really my business, but I truly don't think I love anything in my life as much as Katie loves her crimper. I just don't. Brett's horniness for Lisa is out of control. Dana gives us all, you know, a a vocab lesson and explains what a fat pussy is. Has nothing to do with your actual vagina. It just means you have a hot body. And I've literally never heard this phrase in my life. And I imagined like Lisa's reaction. Like if Dana were to say to her face, like, hey, Lisa, you have a fat pussy. Lisa would be like, a fat what? Pussy? Like 
I feel like Lisa would think it was like cheeky and funny and especially because Lisa just like loves Dana so much she's probably like tickled like a fat pussy oh darling but um but I don't know I don't know that I'm going to be integrating that phrase into my lexicon Bo once again assaults my eyes with that wooden fucking bow tie and suspenders and it's honestly like I hate to always come down on Bo about the wooden bow tie and it's probably because I'm triggered by his like goofy Chicago improv guy sense of style or lack thereof but truly his outfits like send me into a blind rage that I can't fully explain. And then when Stassi and Bo did those fake British accents, and he's like, can I have an English muffin? I was like, take a seat. Take a seat. Um, so yeah, Max fucks Sheena's Vegas tethered Kara. And then he's FaceTiming the morning after with Lisa. And he's awkwardly pacing around the room, fumbling with his phone like, oh, oh, God, I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to deal with this right now. And then Kara wakes up. And the night before, she'd been like, I see a devil's dance in your eyes, but, you know, I know if Lisa hired you, you, you know, you got to be a good guy. <laughs> and then the next morning, she's like, not that tired, Lisa, not tired for him. I can promise you. I feel like that was more just like a demon. She was like, not that tired, Lisa, not tired for him. I can promise you that. Like it was a Linda Blair exorcist, like demon dropping of the voice. With her smoky eyes fully smeared, just emerging out of that bed, doing, you know, some really intense necklace work reminiscent of like Stassi's statement necklaces circa 2009. It was a whole journey. Bring Kara back. I think I'm not, this is not an original idea of mine. I don't want to take credit for it, but someone posted on social media like, is this the setup for the Vanderpump cocktail garden like spinoff in Vegas that we were promised years ago? Because if that's the case, I'm interested. I think Kara, she did more in like her two seconds on screen than the OGs have done like this entire season for the most part, with the exception of like a Sheena, a Dodie. You know what I mean? Um, the episode ends with Schwartz losing the marriage certificate again, which just like made me want to stab my eyes out. And next week we have some more partying. We have James and Lala in the stew and then a fight at the Witches of WeHo wine event with Kristen. I don't really want to talk about this show anymore and I will continue to do it because I love you all and I appreciate your listenership, but I do feel like a broken record. So again, now I'm going to get into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which gave me a lot more to say, a lot more exciting shit to say in my opinion. Truly tell me what y'all are thinking because I will continue to talk about Vanderpump Rules, but it's getting redundant for me and I can only imagine how redundant it's getting for you. Here's what I thought of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I saw this episode. And I was like, holy shit, we have a season. We have a fucking season. My friend Joey Marco poloed me like right before I started watching. And he was like, he's in Chicago. He's like, we have a season. And the way he said it, he said it with such like, like he was putting his flag down on planet Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like we have landed. And it's been years since this show has given me anything but hair, real estate and clothing porn. But this episode ignited something in me that was so thrilling I had full body chills by the end and I was like honestly it made you know the Roni premiere while I love Real Housewives of New York I think it's always funny I love the comedy I love all those women it felt that premiere the Real Housewives of New York premiere felt like I was getting in a rowboat and there were like a couple waves in the water but I was mostly just rowing along like I'm having a great time in my rowboat the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiere felt like I was on like a speedboat with like, I don't know, like 17 beers running through my veins. Like I was excited. It was fast. It was fun. I got flustered. I got overwhelmed, but like in a fun way. This is not a good analogy, but it just it like we hit the ground running. First of all, I want to say that Rinna looked amazing with that kind of short blonde hair. And I'm like, why doesn't she just redo her fucking hair? And no shade. OK, Rinna's hair is iconic. That like feathered hair but she looks so young and hot with her in her interview look with that with that new hair I couldn't even stand it um let's see also Kyle had a fashion line and I would never trust Kyle with a fashion line but here we are and I also want to say that starting this season with a trip to New York for fashion week was shocking to me I was like okay we're leaving we're leaving Beverly Hills immediately all right I'm here for it there was a momentum to the episode that I was really really into Seeing Erica soothed me in a way that I really wasn't expecting. And then by the end of this episode, I, I, I felt like I had just been like hugged 
for a very long time by like a maternal figure. I was just like, Erica is my bitch. I love that she's so aspirational, but also not aspirational. Like she keeps it real. She's like, fuck yeah, I was a dancer to pay my bills. Fuck yeah, I eat cheese out of a can with zero irony. And for that reason, she is my bitch. I love her. Also, we'll get more into it later, but the way Denise spoke to that server, you could see on Erica's face that she was appalled because Erica could be, she's, she could be the richest bitch in Beverly Hills. I mean, she lives in Pasadena, but you know what I mean? She has a full glam squad all the time. She's got money, but the look on her face was like, are you fucking kidding me? Who do you think you are? Because Erica remembers being a server. And I just want to say, I've talked about this on the pod before, but I worked Teddy's uh, charity ride at the Spin Studio. Like that was on last year's season. Yeah. On the most recent season before this one. And out of all the women, Erica was so sweet to me. She was so polite. She asked me to give her Louis Vuitton. I said that her Louis Vuitton bag was pretty. I was like, she's pretty. And then Erica was like, she's old, but she's a good one. And then she asked me what the towels in the basket or on the tray were. And I was like, those are cold eucalyptus towels. And she said, I love you. And she was the sweetest lady. And I just fucking love her. I love her. Anyways, I also thought that Teddy couldn't be more boring, but now she's pregnant and can't drink. And Teddy is just... You know, I've tried to I've tried to warm up to Teddy. Okay? Cuz people are really fucking hard on Teddy. But there's something about her that's just like deeply triggering to me. Like she reminds me of like the bitchy rich girls I went to junior high with who like I Facebook stalk when I'm bored in quarantine or just honestly in general if I'm being fully transparent with all of you from time to time. And it's clear that since 8th grade, nothing has changed. Like this is the same stuck up rich girl that she's been since eighth grade who's judgy and rude and has a lot of shit to say about everyone else but can't be held accountable for any of her own shit. I'm not all in with Teddy. I'm just not. I'm just not. Yeah, I was triggered by her and I was like, I've never been triggered by her before like this, but here we are. We're in quarantine and my emotions are fragile. Garcelle is stunning and there's just a realness with her that I'm really into and I really liked the fact that her and Erica hit it off immediately for that reason. And I think as a united front, they're going to be really fun to watch. Just the hotness and the glamour of the two of those women is like, it's just invigorating to watch. Also, who the fuck is Sutton? I feel like, am I a complete moron? Because I had no idea that this Sutton lady was even going to be on the show. Now they're trying to like sell her to me in the premiere. Like she's a housewife. Like she's a member of the cast. I was like, who are you? And then honestly, I just was like, okay, the last thing I need, and I said this on my Instagram story, but I will say it here as well. The last thing I need is to be assaulted by the visual of yet another rich woman with no fucking taste. Bravo, you put me through it with Lisa Vanderpump. You put me through it with Kyle Richards. I'm sure there's more people I'm forgetting that you put me through this with, and now you're going to add Sutton to it, and it's not even like she has this like killer personality to back up the fact that she has all the money in the world and can't dress for shit. She went to Dolce & Gabbana. What the fuck was that? It was like a Princess Peach nightmare. I was like maybe that outfit could have worked on Olivia Palermo because Olivia Palermo is a literal doll and looks perfect in everything. Maybe Paige DeSorbo. Okay. Olivia Palermo or Paige DeSorbo could have pulled off that outfit, but I was like, Sutton, no, literally no one else could wear that outfit. No one. And it's not me being ageist. It's not about that. It just didn't work. It didn't work. I also thought the thick crown shade with LVP was like kind of funny when Rinna put it on. She's like, it's not so heavy. It's not so heavy. Okay, so then we get this scene where Denise is just a raving bitch to the server. She's she's all heated. She's talking about Charlie. And then she's like, can I get a tequila rapasado? And she keeps calling it a rapasado. And I'm like, I don't know, like, you're from Michigan. So I don't think that's an accent. Like, it's a reposado. And he brings it and she's like, excuse me, that is a Blanco. And I asked for a rapasado. And then he was like, He's like, it is a reposado. And she's like, no, it is not. That is a Blanco. And I would like a reposado. Thank you. And yeah, you see Erica being grossed out. And I was like, oh, I was triggered by this. I was like, I, it sucks not having a job. And I really liked my serving job. But I will say when you have those fucking people that talk to you like you are subhuman over something like tequila, which like is an easy fix. Maybe the bartender poured it wrong. Don't be, you just don't have to be a bitch about it. 
I was triggered. And then also, also I was annoyed because I was like, Denise, you're going to come in last season being like, like with your thick ass, like laying on thick, the Michigan accent being like, wow, I didn't realize we were all getting so dressed up for dinner. I just brought this tank top and flip flop, flip flops and shorts. Well, what do I have to do to get chicken tenders at like a five star resort? And then you're going to be like, excuse me, that is not a blanco, or that is not a rompasado. That is a blanco. And I know my tequila. And then I was DMing with one of my friends about this scene who was also a server and we're like, oh my God, triggered. Same, same. And then I was like, holy shit, it jogged my memory. I waited on Denise Richards once. I did. I waited on her and her friend that she was with, I think she was like a member of her staff or something, was really insufferable. But Denise too, like wasn't friendly and was like very dismissive. And I'm sorry, like I understand being a famous person, going out to eat can probably be annoying. I get it. But also it's like, can you just like look me in the eye and like acknowledge me like a human? And I don't recall her doing that. And I was like, holy shit, I forgot that I waited on Denise Richards at one point. And she wasn't very nice to me either. She wasn't like that though. Thank God. I probably would have cried. I would have cried, but then I would have like gone on to be like, oh my God, Becky Lehman made me cry. Like that's kind of iconic. Okay. So then Erica calls Tom for legal advice. And this exchange between them was so hot to me. She like gets on the phone and he's like, well, she shouldn't show up at court unless she shows up with me. And then Erica's like, I love how you volunteer yourself like that. I love that. And Denise literally is like, well, no, I'm going to be figuring this back out when I get back to LA. No, no, no. I'm figuring it out when I get back to LA. And I'm like, I love, I just love Erica and Tom as a power couple. I truly believe they love each other a lot. I think their relationship works for them. And I just think it's sexy that like she can call him on the phone and be like, give my friend legal advice. And he's like, okay, like that's so fucking cool to me. I just love them. Oh, also Kyle handling that whole clothesline was just like, it was stressful. Like it gave me anxiety. She was like, Oh God, what is this? What is this piece? I don't really like this. And it just seemed like the most like disorganized, like I'm going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. And then she didn't even like some of the designs, but I was like, how did these designs even get executed? Like how hands off were you in this entire process that you could just go in and be like, I don't even like this. What do I do? And then Dorit had to kind of like step in and be like, here's what you're going to do, darling. Also, I want to say Sutton can go fuck herself because she came in being like, I'm such a fashion maven. And then she didn't know what Fenty was and did not care. And then she judged Erica's outfit. And I was like, you have some balls. Like, if you don't know what Fenty is, take a fucking seat. And if you're going to judge how Erica Jane dresses, again, take a fucking seat. Like, who are you? Who are you? Also, that mini purse that Dorit carried that was $510 was truly my nightmare. And, you know, we all know that I have dreams, okay? I will never fault someone for getting a designer bag. Live your fucking bliss. Buy yourself the bag, girl. But if all it can carry is a fucking lipstick, you know, it can't, it can't even fit a whole tampon unless you get the pockets, the pocket size tampons, then it's not worth $510. Get a grip to read. I love you, but get a grip. So then the way Kyle like marched into the fashion show and the way she was speaking to everyone, she's just the owner we all hate. Like she's the owner who's like entitled and knows nothing but changes everything, like comes into the store once a year and is like, what is this? And what is this? And what is this? And it's just like, calm the fuck down. And then honestly, Tracy, this woman that she was working with at the fashion show, I forget what her exact like job title was, but Tracy with the pink hair was kind of my queen. Like everyone was like making Tracy out to be this bitch. But Kyle marches in literally moments before everyone's supposed to walk. And it's like, and my daughter, Sophia and Alexia will be walking and they'll be walking. And Tracy's like, OK, that's fantastic. Uh, we just have to figure out like what the color story is. So now we have to go back and reorganize again. And I was up until 530 in the morning doing that. So and I'm like, I get it. I don't think I mean, I think Tracy was like fully on the brim. Like, I think she was about to freak out. But if I were Tracy, I'd fucking kill Kyle, too. It's like you didn't even help organize this fashion show. You didn't even know what the pieces were until like five seconds ago. And then you're going to march in like moments before the show starts like this entitled, you know, brat and tell me that your bratty daughters. I don't know that they're bratty, but I'm just painting a picture here. If I were Tracy, I'd be like, you're going to march in with your bratty daughters and just tell me that they're going to be in the fashion show when you don't even know what the fuck is going on. Like, fuck you. I think I've hit. Uh, a high with how many times I use the F word this week. I don't know why I'm on one, you guys. I'm sorry, but I was team Tracy and I'm standing by it. Then the end of the episode, I got full body chills. 
I, I just like watching Denise be like, we're on camera. Don't say a fucking word. And just how resentful she gets of this entire process. And then when Lisa Rinna sat down and was like, talk to me, like Lisa Rinna is a producer's dream. And then when Kyle's on the phone with Rinna and she's like, oh, we're, we're not seeing her at the reunion. And then when, when Erica said to Denise, like, you don't need to explain yourself when Denise is crying. She's like, I'm a very married woman. I was just like, this is going to be fucking great. I mean, especially given that last year we talked about a dog for 15 episodes. And I don't know, like, I don't know if this is all going to be about Brandy. I don't know if this is going to be about Charlie. Whatever the fuck Denise doesn't want to talk about on camera. I'm curious what it is. And I think the breaking of the fourth wall is so fascinating to watch. And they did it on the Kardashians like last year. And they're doing it on Beverly Hills now. And I just think the breaking of the fourth wall is what needs to happen to keep these shows interesting because they've been on for so long at this point that in order for them to remain exciting and evolve, we need to acknowledge that like this is a very large platform and this show is a big deal at this point. And for someone who has a bunch of skeletons in their closet that they don't want to have get out, like it's a really, it can be really overwhelming to which I say, Denise, then why did you do the show? Like as the women were kind of saying in the previews for the rest of the season, like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be on a reality show and then withhold you know, and try and curate what information you put out there because it's going to make its way out there anyway, which we're kind of seeing. I'm not a big Kardashians person, but we've kind of seen that on the Kardashians with Courtney a little bit. So it's really interesting to see. And I'm just excited for this season. I literally had full body chills by the end. We have a season. We have a fucking season. So now let's get into Real Housewives of New York. All right, so we return to the Hamptons. We're at Ramona's house, and Sonia has glue all over her face, and Ramona's like, we're not going to a party. We're just going to the vineyard, and Sonia's like, what about you? You look like you're going to Studio 54, and the plan is for them to go to a vineyard, and Ramona's like, there's just something about bonding together, looking out at the grapes or the wine trees, whatever they're called. What are they called? And Luann woke up immediately complaining about her room. And she's like, the itsy bitsy spider came down the water spout. And you could tell in that clip that they showed of her singing that song that she was really trying hard to sing well. And I was like, what a weird time to try and flex your singing skills, Luann. Um, I also made a note in all caps that all I want right now is to be at a winery uh, and also, I just want to say I worked several jobs, serving jobs with gingham button-ups and denim aprons. So I was a tad triggered by this scene at the winery, but I would still love to be there. Leah reveals that she's not sober, but she picks and chooses when to drink. And today is a day she's choosing to drink. And they talk about how Luann's neck is fucked up and she's not at the vineyard. And Dorinda's like, I told you Luann's at the house having a grand old time. And Ramona reads Luann's text to her about how she had to go to the, go to the chiropractor or something. And she's like, hi, okay, I threw out my neck and I won't be able to make it. Okay, okay. And Leah's like, uh, why are we surprised our sober friend didn't want to come to a winery? Then the server drops off the drinks and Ramona's like, oh, can you bring a wine glass? Because she wants hers to be like hers. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then Ramona wants to say something that makes you vulnerable. She's like, let's go around in a circle and just say something that makes you vulnerable. (laughs) And Tinsley's like, oh, this is like the rose and the thorn game. And I'm kind of on Tinsley's side with this. I really fucking hate when people make me play a game when I'm just trying to like drink and chat and like relax. Like, Games are stressful to me. I don't want to learn rules. I don't want to have to pay attention. I just want to like zone out and have fun and chat. So Ramona starts. She kicks us off and she tells a story about just like the shitty household she grew up in and how she would play music on the record player and look out the window and just wonder where her life was going. And she talks about how recently she was driving home and she missed her mom and she started crying and was like brought back to that memory um, from her childhood. And Sonia's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you were so self-realized. And Ramona basically reveals that she feels lonely and wants to know what's next. So therefore, she misses her mom and like the stability of like having a parental figure because she just wants to feel like she has another person in this life. And then Tins is like, well, you know, I don't know where I'm going either. And I don't even have children. And then Dorinda decides to make an analogy to call Tinsley's ass out. And she's like, you know, I was watching the Discovery Channel the other night. Hear me out. And you're talking about icebergs. And the amazing thing about an iceberg is as big and as beautiful as they are on the surface, 90% of the iceberg is underwater. So she's basically just like, Tinsley, we see a really gorgeous 10% of you, but what the fuck is the other 90%? And then they're all like, I didn't know about the new boyfriend. And Tinsley just kind of looks down uncomfortably. 
And Tinsley reveals that she started dating this guy in Chicago named Bruce in March. And he has three children. And that's kind of weird for her because she's never been around children. And she's like, ex-wife and the kids, we all hung out together. And this is why I haven't really talked about it because I don't know if this is going to be a long-term conversation because I'm not used to being one in like an army of people. And Leah gets kind of spicy and she's like, he's selfish. and He doesn't realize what a hot bitch he has. And then... We cut back to a conversation that Tins and Leah had in the car on the way to the Hamptons about how Tinsley kind of just feels like she's wasting her time. So Tinsley's basically just annoyed because she wanted quality time with Bruce and didn't want to be. She's like, I didn't want to be like number six on the totem pole. And I wrote a note. Is she Meredith Blake? Like, is she Meredith blaking this family as just like the hot young, you know, potential stepmom to his kids? Um I get it, though. I mean, I get wanting to have children with someone and not wanting to compete with their kids, but like maybe just don't date someone with kids then, which I feel like is kind of what Tinsley learned dating this Bruce guy. And then Sonia didn't know what a fuck boy was, which I don't know why that was shocking to me because she also is like anti-tattoos. But I'm like, I didn't realize like I always thought of Sonia as being this like youthful, wild spirit. And, you know, between being like judgy about tattoos and not knowing what a fuck boy is, I'm like, Sonia, I don't know you at all. And then Leah opens up about how she was a really fucked up teenager, in her words, and how her parents kicked her out of their home in Connecticut, put her in a halfway house run by nuns in upstate New York. And Ramona was shocked by all of this. And Leah has accepted as an adult that her mom was just trying to save her life and sending her to this halfway house run by nuns. And Ramona's like, you know, it takes a lot of vulnerability to confide to all of us women what she went through. I can have empathy because I went through a little bit of that myself growing up. So everyone kind of admires that Leah like opened up about this personal side of her life. And Dorinda, it's Dorinda's turn. And she's like, I've been crying for a month now. And now I know what's wrong with me. And she's like, if I had to give a secret to the world, what's a secret? I'm scared every day. And she breaks down. And then Ramona gets up and holds her and rocks her also crying. She's like, don't be scared. Don't be scared, baby. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And Dorinda just kind of tells us that she doesn't feel taken care of by anyone She's like, I wake up worried, I go to bed worried, and she's just tapped out and needs a true partnership. So she's not happy with John, basically. And then Sonia's like, it's Sonia's turn. And she's like, um, you know, I saw Ramona, I guess, a week ago, and I just lost my shit, sort of like Dorinda does every 15 moments. Um, you know, you get to a point, you, you, you get to a point like Ramona where you go, um, where am I going now? And all I do is work and I just have one foot in the nursing home. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for this, Ramona. And she drones on and on and on. And she's like, and then you're done. You catch some dick on the way. You've always been run of the house. Daddy's got a shotgun. And she just keeps going. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the editing here was so masterful. The women are just looking down like, when are you going to wrap this up? They all look like they want to die. And the music is this awkward droning like Victrola moment. And Dorinda's like, she's vulnerable about last stuff, but she's talking about everything else. Stop her. So then they leave the winery and they're getting ready for this party this like TBD party they're going to. And Leah and Tinsley are kind of like, what the fuck is this party? And we find out that Tinsley went on a date with Joe Farrell, who's hosting the party, I guess, or like it's his house and Ramona's hosting the party there. And apparently he's short and Leah's like, he took you to a fucking basketball game. He didn't even feed you or anything. And apparently Joe Farrell is short. He doesn't drink. He's friends with Ramona and he also went out with Bethany. And Tinsley's like, he doesn't drink, so it wasn't going to work out. And I'm like, I get you, girl. And then enter Luann. She's like, hey, girls, I'm home. I'm just going to go down and freshen up. And Ramona's like, why don't you just do your makeup? That was kind of Sonia. Hold on. Ramona was like, why don't you just do your makeup? Oh, my God. That was kind of Jill. Hold on. Why don't you just do your makeup in my bathroom? Come up here. I'm giving up. And then Luann complains about the smell in the basement and spiders coming down from the ceiling, to which I wrote, fuck off. And then we find out that Ramona at some point had a date. She's like, well, I had a date. <laughs> and we see an iconic montage of how Ramona can like literally Houdini her way in and out of dates on the sneak like no one I've ever seen or Dorinda or anyone else has ever seen before. And we find out she went out with a Persian guy who's more flirtatious than her. And I love that. I love that for her. 
So then Luann comes into the bathroom and she's like, hi, girls. And Sonia is not into Luann's outfit. And they're like, oh, are you doing the Laura Ashley thing? And Luann is in a full place of Jamie Sullivan circa a walk to remember. And I'm talking specifically about the scene when Jamie Sullivan and Landon Carter go to dinner in a walk to remember. And Jamie wears this like long maxi dress with like a sensible braided pair of flats and a sweater. And Sonia's like, what the fuck are you doing with this outfit? And Luann's like, what? And it's literally like, it's just, it was such a Jamie Sullivan look. I couldn't even deal. And then Luann's like, well, by the looks of Sonia, she's been overserved and we, we haven't even gone to the party. So the ladies head to the party and the cars are, we have Dorinda and Ramona in one car. And then in the other car, we have Tinsley, Leah, Sonia, and Luann. And Sonia's like, wow, Ramona really pulls it out of her hat, the social butterfly. She really needs to be taken down a notch. You know, I'm trying to hang on to my long-term friends there. You know, the 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 Renna crowd, the party filler people. So she thinks that Ramona is investing too much in these like bullshit surface-level friendships. And Ramona's taking them all to this party, which is maybe a Trump-supporting party? I was kind of unclear on that. Ramona shits herself over the standing mirror. She's like, oh my God. God, I love that mirror. I love a standing mirror. I have one like that in my apartment. Wow, wow. And then Sonia's like, <laughs> Sonia's in the car with everyone. And she's like, are they checking our records? We're never going to get in. And all of the women, Leah, Tinsley, Luann, and Sonia laugh in the car over how they all have mugshots. And I thought that was adorable. And it really made my heart warm. So all the ladies enter the party and immediately call out that shit is kind of weird and Ramona is wearing a shawl. Like all the women are like, Ramona, what the fuck are you doing? What's this like potent? Pre- what's this pretentious party that you're throwing? And Leah's like, it's literally some weird eyes wide shut shit. And Sonia's bummed out by the drink selection because there's no gin. She's like, we're in a $30 million house. You don't have gin. And she's like, he should invite us to the real house with the real liquor. And Ramona is introducing everyone. She's like, here's Tinsley. Here's Leah. You know, here. and Sonia is just so fucking annoyed by how formal Ramona is being. And Tinsley's like, how do you do, bitch? I, do, I know you. What are you doing? And so everyone is kind of just turned off. They're like, Ramona, what is this like white pashmina? Like, what the fuck are you doing? And Ramona's like, well, you know, I have my party mode on. And Sonia's like, let's act like we're in your $7 million home, okay? You're acting very fancy. And Ramona's like, well, I'm sorry. And Sonia's like, I like to act down to earth. And Ramona says this is how she acts with her other friends. And she says she has to bring herself down to be with Sonia. And Ramona's like, I mean, what is she expecting me to hang from the chandelier? And I'm like, I mean, you do get suspended in a swing at one point. So, like, kind of similar. And then Leah was chewing gum and apparently Ramona shot her look. So she panicked and swallowed her gum. And I'm sure Leah like was taken right back to that halfway house run by nuns. She was like, oh, fuck, and swallowed her gum immediately. And I just lived for how fun Leah, Tinsley and Sonia were at this party. They were like, we don't give a fuck that Ramona's trying to have us act like adults or like act serious. We're not buying what she's selling. We're just going to rage at this party. And then Sonia's like, She's talking to this guy about Leah and she's like, you know, Leah's a beauty, but she looks kind of, kind of rough on the edges. And I wrote in caps, okay, Sonia, you have literally shown your vagina on this show, like had her vagina fully out. She's talked about shitting in a diaper on the Jitney. She's, we see in the, in the season trailer, like her maybe shitting in a cornfield. So I'm like, I just love how she's like, Leah looks kind of rough on the edges. I'm like, Leah has tattoos and you're judging her for that. But there was literally like an episode where Sonia was fully commando several seasons back in like a mini dress at a club and like laid down and spread eagled her legs. And Luann was like, I didn't know I had to be on snatch guard tonight. So I just I just think the way Sonia talks about Leah is so fucking funny. And then Ramona says that it's an ugly night, but a beautiful evening. And Tinsley Tinsley is very unsoothed by Joe Farrell and his veneers. I just want to say will haunt me tonight. I was like. You had all this fucking money for like a house with a swing and a half pipe and a DJ booth. You couldn't get better veneers, Joe. Like, sorry, but it's true. I'm sorry. Let's face it. It's true. It's true. And then Leah says to Tinsley, she's like, you're insane. Like Leah cannot wrap her head around the fact that Tinsley actually went out with Joe. And she's like, men get to be short and unattractive and still have women going after them if they have money. So then Joe's giving the ladies a tour of the house. And he's like, have you been downstairs? Have you seen it? There's no house like it. And he's just like flexing his house. And then meanwhile, Luann is bummed out being sober at this like uptight, awkward, boring party. 
And Ramona takes the ladies on the tour and they see the bowling alley. And Ramona's like, oh, look at this. Look at this. And Sonya's like, holy shit. Holy shit. You look so hot right now. I do like your magenta pants. And Joe's like, the house made me hotter, right? And the way he said it, like, I don't feel bad for Joe. Okay. But it's like, he knows that that's the case. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I guess I appreciate that you're aware of the fact that like women only hit on you for your house, but also like how sad just kind of bummed me out. And then Dorinda is not about the house tour. She thinks it's tacky and American. And I'm like, I mean, I think your pants are tacky, but I agree that touring houses is also, I don't know. No, I love house porn. I totally would have gone on that house tour. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm not a chic person. But Dorinda talks about how, you know, when she lived in England, all you see is like the living room, the dining room, and maybe the kitchen, maybe. Um, so she thinks this is all trashy. And Joe has an ATM in his house. Luann bowls a strike. Dorinda's like, that's amazing, Lou. That's amazing. Dorinda's genuine support of Luann's bowling skills was really adorable to me. Um, meanwhile, Ramona's seeing the half pipe that's inside. And then Sonia's like, Sonia's talking to everyone else about like Ramona disappearing with Joe to go on this tour. And Sonia's like, who is he? Does he care about her? We do. And then I made a note that I think Catherine Hahn would be amazing at playing Sonia Morgan. And I have no way of getting in touch with Catherine Hahn, but I am saying that out loud right here. You heard it here first. Catherine Hahn would be an amazing Sonia Morgan in a movie. Then Joe calls Ramona baby and he suspends her in a chair and he's like, are you ready, baby? And Ramona's like, are you ready, baby? And he suspends her in the chair and she's like, ah! And she's like swinging from this chair. I hope that didn't hurt your ears too badly. So Joe and Ramona are like fully about to fuck as they're on this house tour. Then we're reintroduced to Ramona's friend from a couple episodes back, Elise with the bangs. And while Ramona is living her bliss on this tour with Joe trying to fuck, she's like, you can you can keep me captive. I can be your prisoner. And then we find out that Elise was like a girl about town. And Elise says to Sonia about her previous marriage, you were his accessory. And Sonia is fully belligerent at this point, being like, why are you saying that I was a partner? Why are you saying that you need you need to clip, clip, clip? Why would you say that about me? Take it back. We were partners. I was never a trophy wife. Take that back. Take it back. Take it back. And Elise is like, okay, I take it back. I take it back. And then Sonia, like, that's not good enough for her because then she goes in on Tinsley and she's like, you were a trophy wife. And Tinsley's like, Topper, my high school sweetheart. And Sonia's like, I'm not arm candy. I don't shave my pussy. And we find out that Sonia met her ex-husband hosting at a restaurant, which I never knew. And we also found out that Sonia doesn't shave her pussy. Luann continues to complain about the basement to, to Leah, um, but I feel like she probably had this same exact conversation with everyone she came into contact with at the party. She's like, it smells like dog piss with spiders. And she's also potentially offended by the fridge stocked with booze in the basement. And I'm like, did you really expect Ramona to just like move her basement booze fridge like upstairs for you? Like, what do you expect, Luann? Like, I would like Luann to just like spell it out for us, like describe what accommodations she expects because no one ever seems to get it right then Sonia says Ramona is treating them like chicken liver and Sonia is chewing with her mouthful she's like I'm not impressed with your rich friends I have more money in the bank than any of them and then some 24 year old kid who looks like his name is Preston is like fully laughing in Sonia's face at how hard she's trying to fuck him he's literally like a baby Patrick Bateman just awkwardly laughing in his little like salmon pink crew neck sweatshirt. And Sonia's like, men love my vagina. I got an amazing vagina. How's your pussy? How's your pussy? Woo! And at this point, she's like fully fucking like screeching in the house. And Sonia's disappointed because Preston like really doesn't want to fuck her. Preston is like deeply disturbed. Then Sonia says Ramona is a party popper. And then Leah's like, She's embarrassing. So now we get to leave. Yay. So Leah's just like fully over this party. She thought it was dumb from the start and she's fully ready to go. And then Sonia's like, the party's not over. You're over. Belly to belly. Belly to belly. Who are we? Who are we? And she's fully like pressing her belly against this man named William's belly. And she thinks William is very hot. And Luann's like, William is married with a baby. So like, let's go. And poor William is deeply disturbed. He's literally looking into the camera like, help me. And I'm like, blink twice, William. Blink twice if you feel unsafe. Um, 
Dorinda's new friend, Eddie, that she met at the party asks if every night of the week is like that. And I don't think Dorinda really has a response. She's like, I don't fucking know. And they literally have to drag Sonia out of the party as she belligerently yells into the abyss. Ramona is dying laughing. Sonia insists. She's like, I could have fucked that guy. She like, I love her blind confidence. And you know, I've been the drunkest girl at the party before, and it's never a mission you set out to do. You wake up the next day. I wake up the next day in like a full anxiety spiral of like, oh my God, I did not set out to get that fucked up. And like, what did I do? But Sonia still seems completely confident by the end of this party. She's like, I don't give a fuck how I just acted. I could, I could have fucked that kid. I definitely could have. Then we cut to the next morning at Ramona's. Dorinda raps on the door. She's like, Ramona. Can I come in? We have a problem. Luann's left, and she's written a really long, out-of-control text. And Dorinda's CC'd on the text, and she has no fucking idea why. But Luann basically writes this long, rambling message about how she's the lowest on the totem pole, the basement is disgusting, and smells like piss, and has spiders in it, and good night from the lower level. And Ramona is kind of unbothered by this in a way that I truly admire. She's like, okay, well, you know, what do I do? So... Then we also see this epic montage of Luann just literally always having a problem with the room she's in, no matter where they're going or when it is or what's just happened in her life. She's always just like unsatisfied. So Dorinda tells her, tells Ramona to call Luann and she's like, be careful. Less is more. So Ramona calls her and shocker, Luann doesn't pick up and Ramona leaves a message and she's like, Lou, it's Ramona. Um, you know, I hope you got home safe, okay? Um, but most importantly, I'm sorry that you felt isolated and you know, I wasn't aware of how you'd feel and I was worried about superficial things and I made you feel separate from everyone and I made you feel on the bottom and I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And Dorinda's doing the like wrap it up, wrap it up motion. And I made a note that I think Ramona apologized for way too much. And I've talked about this with my therapist before, like how like, I pride myself on being someone who takes responsibility when I fuck up. Like I fuck up like pretty frequently, but I'm okay being like, that was a fuck up and I'm genuinely sorry. But my therapist once was like, Hannah, when you're in an argument with someone though, like only apologize for what you actually did wrong. Don't take on everything because that communicates to the other person in the situation that like you will always take all the responsibility and they don't have to take any. And I was thinking about that as Ramona was leaving this message. I was like, what the fuck are you sorry for, Ramona? Like having Luann in her home and giving her like, you know, a lovely place to stay with real flowers in the basement. Like what? I just felt like she apologized for way too much, but it was a very polite message. And I also love seeing Ramona like try to get like soft spoken and really just try to root into her vulnerable side. She was really trying. I felt bad for her. But Ramona seemed relatively unbothered. Then Sonia wakes up. Speaking of unbothered, when I'm like the really drunk girl at the party, I wake up the next day being like, oh my fucking God. And I try to like memento my night together and like look through my texts and my Instagram stories to try and piece together what the fuck I just did. Sonia wakes up being like, oh my goodness, what happened last night? You know, I I think I had a good time. She's like fresh as a fucking daisy, thrilled with herself, no questions asked, had a great time. And I loved this scene because it reminded me of like the morning after a sleepover when everyone's like pitter pattering around the house in their pajamas, like recounting the previous night's events. I think that is like the funnest part of a sleepover is like cozying up on the couch and being like, oh my God, do you not remember that part? Oh my God. And everyone like piecing together what happened. So this scene was cute. Ramona fills everyone in on how Luann left. And Sonia's like, what? WTF? And then Sonia does a dramatic reading of Luann's text. And she's like, good night from the lower level. And then Sonia's like, well, let's check out this, you know, piss smelling spider filled basement. Like, let's do a wellness check on the basement and see what the fuck Luann was talking about. And everyone goes down as a group and discovers that it is, in fact, a lovely basement with real sunflowers. Like, poor Ramona. Like, I don't normally feel bad for Ramona, but I was like, she really she hosted all these women in her home. Like what the fuck? And then Luann's calling her back as they're all on the couch in the basement. They also, I think Ramona was like, yeah, we could watch a movie down here. And I'm like watching a movie in Ramona's basement. Sounds like the snuggliest way to spend like a summer afternoon. Um, so they're all snuggled up on the sectional and then Luann calls back and we end on a cliffhanger and next week looks 
wild. And I want to say, I said this about Beverly Hills, this episode of New York, I didn't have any doubt, but I will say it about New York too. We have a fucking season. I think the first two episodes were kind of exposition. Now shit is popping off. People are yelling at each other. People are getting suspended in swings. People are getting fucked up. Like this is what we want out of New York. I laughed the entire fucking time. And next week we see tennis in the Hamptons. We see hunky dog groomers showing up. One of them massaging Luann. More excessive drinking. Everyone gets wasted and naked in the pool. Leah screams at somebody. Sonia's like peeing on camera. And then Ramona's house is fully fucking trashed. As if like an 80s rock band stayed there. And Ramona's like, this is my home. And then the preview for next week ends with Dorinda being like, there's a vibrator in the chicken. Ugh. You cannot make this shit up, you guys. I feel like we are on a sweet spot. We are hitting a sweet spot with Bravo that I think we all really need all the time, but especially given the circumstance we're all in. I think once Potomac comes back, we are going to be in a really good spot as a Bravo-obsessed community, and I'm excited. I feel reinvigorated by this week's Bravo, Vanderpump Rules aside, and I'm just excited to see where it all goes. Um, That's going to be all for me. Thank you all so much for listening and for messaging me and for all the support. Um, I'm having so much fun covering all these shows and I'm just so thankful for all of your support. So I hope you all had a great week. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. 